Hello, this is Matt Morone, the worship pastor here at Glenelg Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, November 27, 2022. Hello, everybody. I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Hi there. I'm Simone Halpin, executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Kelly Brady, and I serve as senior pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in today to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning. Hey. Feels like forever. Yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover, but not to rush it. I'm just saying we got a lot to do. Yeah. It's been a while, huh? Good couple of weeks. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Thanksgiving is in the past. Decorations for Christmas are up. No. Can't wait. Did you guys watch any football? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. Not yet. Yeah. Did you well, guys watch outside of our house, yes. Did you oh, guys w- watch any football over the <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Such a boring weekend. Did you watch any? I don't I mean <laughs> Chiefs, Chiefs, yeah. 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 No, congrats to the to the Michigan uh, Wolverines. Wolverines, right? Yes. Yeah. Big win. Big day. Big That's win. Special. Fun. Last night I was like, how much football can you watch? <laughs> it's been, there's been so, or more like how much sports can you watch? The World Cup? World Cup yes, is awesome. The World Cup is fun. Tomorrow, two o'clock. I know, oh it's gosh. crazy. Yeah. That was fun. Our kids are trying to understand how what, how that, that, that was a incredible a that yeah. a game that finished in the same way that it started never yeah. started yeah so we ran around for you 98 know, minutes we're like no you don't, you don't i'm like <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't even watch soccer that much i'm like you don't understand <laughs> this is huge huge yeah that we shut them out you mean yeah, yeah. like that's a big win like yeah. Yeah. getting the draw getting a point right they there. were supposed big. to uh cream us mm-hmm. yeah they're like the fifth Ranked team in FIFA. Yeah. Like they have a shot. Oh, yeah. At the whole thing. Yeah, they do. You know, they they looked very comfortable passing the ball. They looked together. Yeah. The United States just had a ton of energy, man. Yeah. A lot of youth. Yeah. That was fun. It's exciting. Hey, well, let's go back a couple weeks. Matt, well done preaching. Mm -hmm. It was fun to hear you preach your first sermon at Glow Bible Church. It wasn't your first sermon, but you did a great job in prep and... Someone texted into the Mojo text line, hey, I hope that Matt's in the regular rotation. So, nice. oh, cool. Yeah, I was very... I, yeah. I, did you feel... That was Matt's mom. Let's... <laughs> well, it's all right. <laughs> Everybody has a mom yeah. and they get a vote. <laughs> How'd you I feel? I think, Matthew, should be preaching more on... <laughs> it wasn't long enough. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I think that's actually more my dad, actually. <laughs> He's a cheerleader, he, huh? He was. He, I mean, I, I was barely even done, and I was getting a text. You that's know. great. So proud of you. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I love to write, I, and I haven't written outside of, like, seminary. Um, but, you know, back in the day, playing in the band, writing lyrics, creating, like, it's just a, the creating process is fun to me. I like writing. Mm-hmm. I don't do it enough. So this was a perfect ex- uh, excuse to get into it again in a creative sort of way. What I found most convincing w- w- were your reflections on your personal growth from someone who thought church music was uh, not valuable mm-hmm. to someone who, yeah. who highly values it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I you know... I got a little serious about it, but uh, I don't. I didn't even scratch the surface on what I really thought. I, like, wow, I was mm. super judgmental. And granted, I was this way. I did. It wasn't just towards Christian music. I was that way towards all music. Cause right, you're we a were, professional. Yeah, and I, we, we were kind of brats, and you know, we thought we were the best thing ever, and you know, so we, we were super judgmental. But then <laughs> when we got into when I got into church, it was just. It, it was just turned up. It was just mm-hmm. oh, so hard to connect. Mm-hmm. You know, it just did not make any sense to me at mm-hmm. all. Visually, sonically, uh, of course, you know, I, I wasn't putting together the richness of the lyrics at all. So I was missing that part. But um, yeah, and so, and now to, to <laughs> God has a sense of humor. So um, after, you know, doing church music now for... What, 14 years or however long it's been. Um, yeah, I have a big passion for it and a soft heart for it. So, and it makes perfect sense to me now. Mm-hmm. Which is I was thinking about how many people were encouraged. It's almost like you represented a large amount of people probably who have this artistic bent to them. They appreciate the poetry and the thoughtfulness of, of scripture that God shows. What did you say? Half of when you, what a third. Did you, a third. Um, 
I don't know. I just thought that was, I bet a lot of people were encouraged to hear an artist preach and, and kind of go through the scripture and, and they felt represented in that way. Sure. I thought yeah. that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a couple artists come Did you? up afterwards okay, good. and, and yeah. express that exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. So that was cool. Just made me long to be an artist. <laughs> you know, I've always wished I could sing. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you find that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me of Kelly. Yep. Oh. There was a moment of terror on, <laughs> on a Sunday. <laughs> Matt wasn't on the platform. I'm with you. Hey, I'm there into was, Mike. There's, <laughs> there's oh, no. a, you guys were delayed like a cord broke or something. Yeah, it, Jennifer's cord uh, ran out of juice, oh. so I had to go grab her up. Yeah, it's so a real he, one. There's like this delay, and Kelly's like, "Let's stand and sing." And then he looks, and there's, <laughs> there's you no guys are and he kind of like paused, and he kind of like leaned forward. I was like, "Dude, no, no, <laughs> 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 tackle him." Oh, I feel you, you see Kelly. A, you see out of out of his out of his sleeve, he pulls like a conductor wand. Yeah. <laughs> This Your is moment. my moment. Oh, Jazz save flute. The day. Out of the uh, I would have joined you. So yeah, no, I, it was fun. Have you I ever? It. Have you ever had to lead a song? I led as a youth guy. Yeah, yeah. I've never led in big, big people's church. Like if you get asked to, like preach or lead somewhere, and no. like lead, lead us in song, and you're like, oh gosh. No, step fact, by I'm, step, that's my go-to. I'm really clear, like. In uh, wedding pre- uh, planning and funeral planning, very clear on who's going to lead yeah. congregational singing. Mm. I, I don't want to, yeah. can't. I, if I'm, you miss that first note, you're sunk. And I can't always find the first note. <laughs> I can find the note uh, along the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I'm thinking more like in traveling situations, yeah. preaching overseas no, or something like no. that, or in a church. No. Lead us in song. Pastor, would you lead us in a song? No, I won't. How about a prayer? Yeah. So many, so many people were praying specifically for sickness because my whole house got sick the week prior to uh, that Sunday that I preached, and um, and I I was just good. I was good with it. Good, 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 good. Preached the sermon, came home, and was like, I feel a little. Cold. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's basically as soon as I got home, it just went straight. Yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. it was, it was crazy. It was like, wow, I, I like a hundred percent believe God prolonged it, answered those prayers, yeah. worked yeah. through those prayers, got yeah. me through to that. Cause I would have stunk. I mean, yeah. I would have really been upset if I did all that work and then didn't, didn't get, get to, to. Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's just part of the fun of the process of it and yeah. to complete it. And, um, so I, I do, I a hundred percent believe God, Answered all those prayers. That's awesome. Sustained me through the week, but then was like, "Dude, you, you got to be sick here." Yeah, like you know, like this is probably <laughs> now you got to take your licks. Right, right. Like, this is actually probably going to be for your benefit. But uh, yeah, we were when you were like, "Yeah, everybody in my house is sick." It was like on Thursday or, or whatever it was, and we were like. Should somebody? <laughs> Should somebody? Kelly, Kelly was ready because right? we had I, it where I got when I got yeah. COVID, and then oh, right. on Thursday, and Kelly yeah. had to preach. Yeah. Were you ready? Sure. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly was like, I want to look at a commentary real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have done as well as you on the Song of Moses. In fact, we're doing Mary's song mm. for Advent this Sunday, and I'm thinking, wow, I need to do a good job with song theology. So, no, I really appreciated your content, your prep, your delivery, Matt, you came off as uh, authentic, approachable, genuine, warm. It's very good. Okay. You're easy, you're easy to listen to. Yeah. You're good enough. You're <laughs> smart enough. <laughs> People like you. Well, should we uh, talk? I have, yeah, we I, have a question here from that week and then all the yeah, rest I'll of the read questions. It. I'll, I'll okay. tee it up and you answer. Sure. <laughs> When do we ever sing songs like Moses' song? It's really heavy and a difficult song, almost dark in its themes of judgment. I'm not saying I want to sing songs like that. I'm just noting how different Moses' song is from what we sing on Sunday morning. Yeah, we don't. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) This question Uh. actually came up, and um, Gary Larson yeah. Uh, noted the difference. He didn't ask it this way. Yeah, we talked about it a little yeah. bit afterwards. And he came, after he yeah. talked to you, he came over to me and goes, I just, I want a note. And I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great fodder for discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think, you know, my, the first thought that I had <clears throat> when he brought that up was, and granted, we have all kinds of, you know, considerations. There's obviously time and there's, and there's a culture, vast cultural difference. But like, I actually don't think we're that far off, relatively speaking, with some of our songs is in some of the they're not and it's not an inherently dark thing but how it comes across so like if somebody comes in and is new to the faith or is doesn't know anything about the faith and they hear us singing um about blood about blood mm -hmm. like <laughs> crucifixion that mm -hmm. is probably going to come across at least uh a little bit in the same way that it comes across to us reading an old testament song about what god's going to do to nations and yeah. i'm gonna make you know uh drunk with blood <laughs> with blood <laughs> like you yeah. know like like that's yeah. intense but i would think it would it's probably about the same intensity for somebody coming in i mean i chose a couple songs here my my victory by crowder who sometimes crowder can go down that hole yeah uh, david crowder songwriter singer worship leader guy um sometimes his lyrics can uh, be on the graphic side uh, and I, I enjoy that, but you know, he sings, oh, oh, your love bled for me. Oh, your blood in crimson streams. <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, you don't have to go there. Like, right. you don't have to say your blood in crimson streams, but that probably was a reality for someone who was crucified and mm -hmm. flogged before it. Yeah. There probably were streams that like, you know, and so, yeah. but then, you know, do we have to get that graphic in our worship? Like we're talking about a worship service with children in it and we're talking about blood flowing yeah it's a little gory but <laughs> but you know um i think it helps us wrestle with the reality of the cross and what actually really had to happen and the pain and the it was gory and so i don't want to sing that every week but it's good to have in our arsenal of songs mm -hmm. yeah. I also say that our, our context is much different than uh, Moses's context. We're we're post resurrection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yes, mm -hmm. there's also That's the. I, I when I saw the question um, this week, I was like, well, there's there's the practical part of it too. Is that <clears throat> Old Testament poetry was often used so that the people could remember over and over and over and then pass down. So it's like you know when we teach our kids the alphabet, we use a song to teach the alphabet. You know what I mean? Like we often put songs to major things that we want people to know, remember. I mean, there's all sorts of, if you just think through your life and, or even through your, you know, there's all these little songs. Mm -hmm. Why do commercials use songs? The capitals of the state. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, Good one. Yeah, I mean, books of the Bible song. Yeah. Dude, I, I still remember the McDonald's song. Yeah. From the 80s, remember the <laughs> yeah, record? Yeah, totally. That you got, and you yeah. got, they got the record in the Happy Meal, yeah. and you played it, and it was yeah. like, you know, Big Mac McDeal, yeah. a quarter pounder with some cheese filet, a fish and hamburger, <laughs> cheeseburger, Happy Meal. Remember that song? Yeah. No, I have no idea. And then if it, if it yeah. did the whole menu, you won some yes, prize yeah, or something. If, if, the, if the record yeah. finished. Right. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so Old Testament, you know, people in the Old Testament, they've got one copy of the law. Right, so it's not like everybody's walking around. So if you want to convey thirty-eight cha or thirty-six chapters, what is Deuteronomy? Thirty-five chapters. Thirty-four. Thirty-four, 34. Uh, chapters, and you want to summarize it, and you want to give it to the people in a way that they can digest it and pass it on to their children. Well, song would be a great way to do it. I, th I think we see that throughout the Old Testament. This is a way that they can memorize it. It's a way yeah. they can pass it on. It's a way that they. You know, can, in the New Testament, some of the earliest theological statements are in song form in the New Testament. Right. So, so why don't we sing like you know the darkness? Well, you've you've made a great point that we do, but there's also not that need to no. capture an entire story or a, you know from A to Z of material in, in a song in poetry right. to give to people to know to pass on. Right. It's just a different, yeah. There's a different purpose to it. And Kelly's point about being on the other side of the resurrection is, I mean, it's kind of critical to the darkness here. Like right. we don't, we don't have a need to right. sing a, of that kind of darkness. Yeah. When when we already know, and yet we do sing, "I am a sinner." If yes. it's not one thing, it's yeah. another. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut up in words, tangled in lies. Like we do make some of those confessional. Yes. Looking back at our sinfulness, yep. but yet celebrating. The resurrection of yep. Christ. Cool.
Um, all right, let's go to this week. First step, what about the success of those who are not believers? Is God to be credited with the successes of those who are not believers? Yeah, um, I had some dialogue with uh, whomever submitted this. You can have a back and forth via Mojo text. So I was trying to understand exactly what was being asked here. Um, I, think, I think I've got their question right. I had said that apart from him, we can do nothing. And it's one of my favorite um, teaching points uh, because it's impacted me so significantly. For me, John 15, 5, Jesus' statement that apart from him, we can do nothing, is tremendously humbling and freeing because it invites our dependence on him and it reduces our sense of uh, responsibility. It calls us, it's invitational to recognize that anything good that's going to happen is because he's going to energize it with his spirit. And so I think the listener from Sunday is asking, well, is that true for non-believers as well? Mm-hmm. People living in disobedience. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. am, <clears throat> do I believe Jesus is saying that anything that good that happens in the world is because God's spirit's at work? And my answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And reformers, so that would be uh, Protestant church fathers, uh, they would have, they, they actually had delineations that identified the nature of this reality. They delineated between a common grace and a special grace. Common grace is the grace that is showered upon all people regardless of their spiritual status. And so we read in Scripture that he causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. In in other other words, God is good and gracious to both believers and non-believers, people uh, who are trusting in him and people who are not. That's common grace. and then there is special grace. That's the, the grace experienced through a trusting relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, a, and a unique grace comes to us through that trusting relationship. And I would urge all of us to enjoy both common grace and special grace. Uh, but yes, anything that, that's good in the world, anything, cancer treatments, I mean, that's a part of God's common grace, his goodness to us as he, we know uh, that he's the one sustaining the world. And meaning the COVID vaccine, I, I take it as a common grace. I just opened up a can of worms, didn't I? <laughs> Don't talk any, about that. Any vaccine. How about that? Any medical treatment. Um, so any, any saving of life. Um, so what do you guys think? I don't know if I, I don't know 100% where I land on every, on the topic of where our human skills and abilities meet with God's grace and favor. Because, I mean, if we look at the world, we see highly skilled people doing great things in Christian ministry. And I don't think it's just because God picked the highly skilled. Yes. We that also a- see God doing powerful things in ministry with people who are very, very unskilled, right? Mm-hmm. So, but yet there's a, there's a consistency that people who are, I mean, why go to seminary? Why, why learn how to preach? Why follow a, you know, uh, what we, how we, what science tells us about how people learn and grow, why do those best practices? Why get good at them? Why sharpen our skills if it's only about God, right? Like that's the tension. Yes, God grows his church, but yet we are supposed to, to learn, grow, develop. You know, so, if it was only God and all God and it didn't matter at all who we were or what we did. Okay, so I'm not trying to say that common grace reduces, a theology of common grace reduces... Uh, our responsibility. Right. But when, when we say things like uh, all church growth is, is because of God, that's not, I don't think that's exactly what you mean. He worked through, through the situation, right? Be- so I don't see any 
tension. I think I understand what you're saying. I don't see any tension if between you, my responsibility and role as a pastor on staff here and God causing the church to grow. I don't see the tension, the, not necessarily tension, but there's a formula at play. There's some of you and some of God. If, yeah. you, if you chose not to prep, not to do your work, not to go to, yeah, so I'm to seminary. I not, have to exercise my will. Right. But you also know, even if you didn't, God may show up. But when you do, God may not show up. So you're just trying to... You're, <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> so, yes, we are volitional. We have to exercise our will. Um, so, and, but God, you're right, God will not be hampered uh, by the disobedience of his people. We see that in this and week's story. And he won't story. be arm-twisted by your obedience. Right. So, so it's, not- That's what I'm saying. I, I, there's a mystery in the formula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do know that God has called me to work hard. I do mm-hmm. know that he's called me to, to, to do whatever I can to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. But I also know he's saying, don't make it all about you. I want to show up. Mm-hmm. I want to get the glory. There's a formula there that sometimes can be confusing one in Christian ministry, but also in our daily lives. Like, do I go? Do I go to get a, a business degree, get an MBA, learn how the markets work, get really smart in that, read a lot, and then and I see blessing in my life. I'm I'm able to help people earn income. I'm I'm able to you know grow businesses and do those sort of things. Is that just you know? I didn't. I if I wouldn't have done those things, it still could have happened. Or is it because I did those things? It happened. Yeah, but the I, formula between my gifting, my skills, my talents, and and God's work can be confusing. The partnership formula is a weird word. The, yeah, the par- partnership, sure. So, what is he doing, and, and what am I doing? I and I, I have a tendency to default to the sovereignty of God and say. Um, that you know that I woke up this morning is a is a, a sign of God's work. That I have an interest in working hard is a sign of God's work. That I, um, but you're right. I I can't I can't sit idly, and I can't act as if I'm not involved. Right. I mean, I've I am culpable. I have I, I, to a degree. I have well, responsibility. Well, you and I have both lived in a world where people say things like, "What's well, this in God's hands? Why do I have to show up? Yeah. Why do I?" You know, yeah. you're yeah. like, "No, no, no." <laughs> <laughs> that would be sinful. Yes, slothful. Right. Like I've been an I've been a part of a church that like brought in the sharpest, best, most qualified minds into into the city of Chicago to grow a church. And changed everything from the mm-hmm. staff to the culture to the model, everything based on the latest tech, yeah. the latest happenings of all of it, all of it, all of it. And the church not only did not grow, but shrunk. Yeah. And then a bunch of people got laid off, and the church is in a much different place today. But like, I, I'm just saying, like, I've been a part to what you were saying earlier, yeah. like where everyone was working as hard as they could possibly work. With best practices. With the mm-hmm. unbelievably best practices, yeah. right? Like people were brought in from around the country. Right. And it still didn't work. And it did not work. Mm-hmm. And yet you, would go, you, can, you know that those people brought those things because it worked somewhere. Yeah, yes, right, <laughs> right. But, mm-hmm. man, but see, that's... I see, I would question what the it is. What that's is think, it? That's what I'm saying. Well, that's here, why it's difficult. I, I, I that's why I shun up those... Sorry. An that's important why I shun up those books. Of this question yeah, right. those models. An important part of this question is defining successes because the person asks, is God to be credited with the successes of those who are not believers? Well, what is success? So are you defining success because non-believers are wealthy or educated or, you know, what, what are we defining as success here? And when you were talking, John, it made me think of that passage in first Corinthians I think the verse is 127 that says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong, Mm -hmm. which again plays into this like upside down gospel. Like the kingdom is upside down. The the last will be first. Um, The first will be last. So I don't, I, I think 
what I read into this question, which is a really important question, is what are we defining as success? Mm-hmm. And I think what you're all referring to are things that if it brings God glory, if it's in line with the gospel, if it is playing out the great commission, to me, those are the, those are the, those are the things that are successful. Uh, but know? I think we could go even further than that. If it feeds the hungry. Right, right. Yeah. If it's right. moral. I, I think morality. That's so hard to define. Kindness. It, well, forgiveness. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are lots of non-believers that exercise mm-hmm. forgiveness, mm-hmm. Uh, turn the other cheek, um, are doing unto others as they would have people do to them. So uh, uh, Christians certainly don't have the market cornered on morality. Wait, so you're saying <laughs> that if a person is inspired to be kind? The Holy Spirit's a part of that. Are they saved? No, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. They may or may not be trusting in Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that, that God is is love. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is C.S. Lewis's argument right. against the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. When asked, mm-hmm. how can a good God exist when there's so much evil in the world, he turned it on its head and he said, if there's so much evil in the world, uh, how can there be any good in the world yeah. when we see so much evil yeah. unless there's a God? It's like God is stirring in their hearts, maybe. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like that's I've seen the person and the purposes and the plans of God are all over the globe. He's literally making it rain on the righteous and unrighteous. And we know that God can use those who are not saved for his work and purposes. It's all through the Old Testament. It's all. Yeah. The quizzical look you're getting from me is I, I think he's constantly using asses. Old Testament reference Balaam's donkey. Balaam's donkey to get his work done. And I mean, just ornery people Mm -hmm. to get his work done. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I I think that I, I took it in a different direction. Yes. You're you're more of a 50,000 foot. I'm talking about my kid who is in biology. Yeah. Okay. And he gets an A and he didn't do any work. And he's like, man, God was awesome. I'm like, (laughs) And you're no, worried. You, you got lucky, bro. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, it, it, it's or, not always going to be this easy, Or bro. the kid that worked his tail off, mm-hmm. studied, disciplined himself, didn't play video games, took a Friday night and studied for biology and got an A. And I say, dude, you got an A because you worked hard. Hmm. Take credit for that. It isn't just God. But you would say... Yeah, I don't say... I wouldn't say take credit. I would say enjoy that. Isn't that fun? You would say... You would say God gave you the ability to want to do that yeah, work in the yes, beginning. Yeah. yeah. That's how I'd say it too. Yeah. So, and I never say to... And this is just my pet peeve. But hard work paid off. Yeah. And God gave you the... God gave you the desire to want to work hard. Yeah. And the ability mm-hmm. and the discipline. I'm all for that. Yeah, I... Uh, and certainly hard work, quote unquote, pays off. Yes. Sometimes Diligence. it doesn't pay off. hundred. That's what I'm saying. That's the yeah. mystery of the whole thing. So You're, you aren't guaranteed. There's a, there is a, and the word formula, I know you don't like, there is a partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I just find so much freedom in the knowledge that whether it works out the way I want it to, or it doesn't work out. I can go a hundred miles an hour and bring all my gifts to bear, knowing that he's the one mm-hmm. that defines success, Simone, that's mm-hmm. your point, mm-hmm. and gives success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps me to think about two the two wills yeah. of God. It helps me to think about like, okay, God is Oh now God you're is opening me. a whole nother can of worms. Oh wait, God is saving me. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. I have nothing to do with it. God is going to save me. That is his that is his expressed and lived out will for my life. I'm going to be saved. But what he gives me and the work I put in can affect fruitfulness in that line of, of will that he has for me. Like I can affect it. I can turn left or right at times, but I'm never going to make a 180 and go the other way. And yes, say, we're no, not puppets. Forget That's you. your point, John. We're not yeah. puppets in the cosmic. No. Yeah. What? Yeah, we ha- we're volitional. We have to make choices. We're culpable for our choices. Right. Any good choice I make, Christ is at the root of it. Yeah. 
Hey, GEBC Church family, are you looking for an opportunity to serve the church? I've got one for you. Uh, are you even mildly interested in Christmas decorations? Here's your opportunity. Hey, we need some people to come out uh, tomorrow, actually, Tuesday, November 29th. And guess what? Child care is provided from 1130 to 1. 1130 to 1 tomorrow, Tuesday, November 29th. Uh, we'll need some help decorating our building. Um, also, Wednesday, November 30th through Friday, December 2nd. So for the rest of this week, from 10 to 3, you can just show up anytime from 10 to 3 out in the uh, Welcome Center or the gym, and we will get you going. Amy Cola is in charge of the decorations. She will meet up with you, tell you what to do. All we need is you. You don't have to have any crazy skills or be particularly gifted in this area. We just need some some help and some good attitudes. So come on out tomorrow. Uh, again, child care provided 1130 to 1 on Tuesday, November 29th, or Wednesday through Friday, November 30th through December 2nd, anytime between 10 and 3. Thanks. In Numbers 12.3, Moses is described as a more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses is described as more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. But it appears God cut Moses' life short due to one instance in which he lacked humility. In Job 1.1, the man Job is described as blameless and upright, but God let Job suffer immense pain and loss based on the, a challenge from Satan. And in Genesis 3, one episode of disobedience by Adam and Eve opens the door of, to death for everyone in the world. God's methods seem so strange to me. He punished Moses for an isolated missed layup. He cursed all mankind for what Adam and Eve did. He allowed Job to suffer even though Job didn't do anything to, to deserve it. The takeaway seems to be that sometimes life is unfair and all you can do is hope God has a purpose for it. Is that it? Am I off track? Simone, you said this one kept you up last mm -hmm. night. <laughs> it's an important question. It's a really important question. Yeah. All right. When I read scripture, I'm not led to believe that God is arbitrary mm -hmm. or harsh even in his interactions with humanity. It seems to me that he has a plan that he is working to bring redemption in the world through that plan. He's purposeful, intentional, kind, generous, patient. Um, this is actually how he describes himself to the children of Israel. Uh, I feel as though, yes, you're off track. The, the question asker is off track some, and that we need to consider each of these instances on their own merit. These are very rich storylines. Moses, Adam and Eve, Job, uh, they're... Uh, and there's no controversy around any of them right. and how, the, how it worked out for <laughs> them with clear. God. Super yeah. clear. <laughs> so try to take them, or portions of this, uh, uh, each on their own. First, it's true that Moses was more humble than any other person. He's described that way. But that doesn't mean he was perfect in his humility. In God's justice, he held that leader of Israel to the same standard to which he'd held the rest of the nation. That is, those who disobeyed died in the wilderness. Moses had watched an entire generation uh, break faith with God, and their punishment was that they died in the wilderness. When he broke faith, this should actually encourage us. It shouldn't, we shouldn't see that as God being arbitrary. Again, I want to go back to, this was a layup for Moses. And he missed it because something was going on in his soul. I, I would love to hear what y'all thought of my interpretive framework there that Moses was frustrated with the people. He evidenced anger. He called them names. And then he put himself in a prideful position saying, I'm going to bring water out of this rock for you. And I'd go back a little bit, even into the, um, the description of Moses being the most humble man that ever walked the face of the earth, you know, whatever that phrase is, that's not, uh, that phrase is used over and over and over in this section of the Old Testament. So from Deuteronomy all the way through Kings, second, first and Chronicles, first and Kings, you have that phrase. You, so like there's multiple Kings who are described in this exact same, Josiah was the most humble King who ever lived. There was no one more holy than him. That said, that phrase is said about those who followed God and obeyed his commands over and over and over again. It, there isn't a hierarchy is my point that that's, that's a distinction 
given t- to show Moses's. It wasn't a, it wasn't a ranking. That's what I'm saying. There's no hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not like Mo- it's not saying Moses was actually that. It's giving the distinction that he was different, stood out, was in a uh, followed God and obeyed Him, because it, if that was actually true, then there's these canceling out of that phrase over and over and over again. He was the most humble. No one, you know, no one did better in the eyes of the Lord than this person. And then three chapters later, it says it again about a different king. And then three, you know what I mean? So it says it about Joshua. It's a, so that's a good point. Uh, about Adam and Eve, I, you know, he, he notes that Adam and Eve are, he, the question asker, uh, one episode of disobedience by Adam and Eve opens the door to death for everyone. It is true that that's uh, what happened, that their disobedience led to death entering the world. Um, but uh, as I noted uh, Sunday, uh, and with Moses as well, I, they had all they needed um, to, to make the decision of obedience and simply didn't make the decision of obedience. Um, and I can relate to this. There have been times when I stood at the threshold of sin, right, using the Cain and Abel description, and, and I, I, I know what is right and choose willfully what's wrong. And, and God is just in that judgment. Um, so regarding Job, we need to understand Job's description as being blameless does not mean, again, that he was perfect. In other words, he didn't suffer as an innocent victim. There, there's no one who's perfect, um, not one. He was a sinful man, but simply more righteous than others of his time. It's also true that he and we, when we suffer in this world, and in some cases we do suffer simply because we're a part of this world, and that's what happened in Job's life. Yes, Job was allowed by God to suffer as a part, as a spiritual casualty, you might say, of the warfare that's going on between God and Satan. Um, but also there's redemption in Job's life. Now, and this shouldn't be missed by us. There's redemption temporally in Job's life. Everything he lost is restored and there's redemption beyond. Yeah. And there's redemption in Moses's life. He does enter the promised land. Uh, he's on the Mount of transfiguration with Christ and there's redemption for all who, who follow Adam and Eve and trust in the Messiah that God is providing. So, I find myself thankful that in each of these stories, God reveals uh, his continued care for humanity despite our sinfulness. I, th- I feel like that if we're not careful, um, yeah, that we'll miss out on seeing how God has cared, has cared for in each of these people, Moses, Adam, Eve, I think of the, you know, after Adam and Eve willfully disobeyed, he makes skins to cover their body, to cover their shame, which many people see as an allusion, literary allusion, uh, a prefiguring, a typology of his care for us, all of us in our shame through the sacrificial system. Animals had to die for these skins to cover the shame of, of Adam and Eve. So we see the grace. That's really where I wanted to end Deuteronomy. We see the grace of God throughout the narrative despite human sinfulness. How'd I do, Simone? Yeah, it was good. So <laughs> I, 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 when, you, when you started, I was like getting excited. I had to like pull myself back from the microphone so I'm not mm-hmm. being disruptive. Um, I had two thoughts when I was kind of wrestling, praying through. I just really appreciate the question and I feel like we have to get this right. Not we, like this podcast team, but like- We want to serve each other, yeah. Well, and, and it's an important question because if, if our theology is off on this, mm. we're doomed. Then, then Christianity falls apart. Mm. Not to like over-exaggerate here, but it's a very important question. And the first thought I had as I'm reading this last night and having uh, kind of an, a roller coaster weekend at home, particularly around our kids, not particularly- only around our kids. Um, <laughs> my first thought was, I'm up, so I'm, I'm not trying to compare myself to God, but in the sense of parenting and realizing what one kid needs and what another kid needs is different. And I'm doing my very best to shepherd them and Anthony and I together, meet their needs, 
give consequences for decisions. I mean, and I, I personally am always, did I do that right? Did I say it right? Did I, did that, <laughs> is that fair? Was that just, you know, all those questions I'm constantly thinking because of all the wounds I'm inflicting on my kids, I'm sure. Um, but from a parental standpoint, and I think of God as the father looking, you know, at these three different scenarios, knowing what each one of them needed in a different way, that it's not a one size fits all um, approach to relationship because ultimately we know God wants relationship with us. So it's not a one size fits all the way he interacted with Moses and Adam and Eve and Job. I, I felt that as a parent this weekend, I'm like, I don't parent one size fits all. So I, there was one side of me that felt that helped me understand a little bit of the differences that we see that the question asker is pointing out. And then the other part that really kind of solidified, no, no, I, I do believe that God is just because I feel like that's the, a little bit of the heart of the question here is seems unfair. It seems unfair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it is, if it is unfair, then that's, then we have a problem with the gospel. And I just happened to be in Isaiah 53, the last few days of my scripture reading. And I've been trying to take it apart piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole section right here in verse seven, where it's presumed there that Isaiah is prophesizing about the coming Messiah. And it is the ultimate injustice mm-hmm. in Jesus and that he was blameless and took on all the blame. And there, there was a, it was an encouragement to me. I mean, the, some of the phrases of like the oppression and the judgment was taken away. Um, yet who of his generation protested, they were all, it was all this heaped on him. Um, Mm -hmm. he, he didn't open his mouth, you know, when this was happening to him, there's all these beautiful, um, descriptions of what Christ did on our behalf. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that that is the ultimate injustice and that Christ took on all of our iniquities for all of mankind. So you're saying not only is God fair, but he's put him play himself in the place of unfairness. Yes. He's and taken what's unfair for him. And then he made it right. Yes. And so that just, that just gave me all the encouragement to think, okay, there are some, there are some questions here. How, yeah. why is it d- different for each one of these? And are we one and done in terms of, and which I think you've already said, it wasn't as if, mis- if Moses made that one mistake yeah. and it was, that was the decision for him not going into the promised land. It was, Moses was guilty before mm-hmm. God, no matter what he did, because he's human. Yeah. And it's, so it just, it just, I think what I'm trying to say is that Jesus fulfilled all of that mm-hmm. um, on our behalf, including the Old Testament leaders that we're talking about here, or, you know, people that we're talking about here. So that gave me all the hope. <laughs> that we don't have it wrong. Yeah, the 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 uh, think what you're talking about is equality and fairness. Mm-hmm. So we we tell our kids all the time we are not we don't treat everybody equally. We treat everybody fairly. So different needs. Yeah, justice and what you get <laughs> privileges are not all equal. I mean, it'd be insanity to do that. Yeah. But as a people, when we say things like we want fairness. We just want it to be fair. That's really ultimately not always what we're asking for. If you peel that back a little bit, we're asking for equality. We want we equate justice with equality in our expectations so that everybody, regardless of who you are or what you've done or anything, you know, you'll be treated equally, the same benefits, the same privileges, the same punishments if you do things wrong. And that's difficult mm-hmm. because when you apply that to the text, we see God being totally just, mm-hmm. totally fair, his standard, but it's not always one-to-one. It's not yeah. always equality. Mm-hmm. He doesn't treat everybody like Job. Thank, thank the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, he doesn't treat everybody like Moses and he doesn't treat every, He has, there are standards. I'm not saying there's not standards, right? but the... the um, I think of Acts chapter five, Ananias and Sapphira. Thank goodness he doesn't strike everybody down. Yeah. Right. Who pretends they're giving a lot to the church and they're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. It's a great example. Mm-hmm. There are different God situations, situations and needs. Yeah. The heart the heart of people and the situation that he's operating in where it is just and fair, but when we look at it, it doesn't look and feel yeah. equal. And 
And we, that can be difficult for us as people. So when we're in the difficult spot, when we're in Job's situation, and we're unsure why we're suffering, we can take comfort. We can take comfort in God's actually given us a book titled Job. Remember, he didn't know why he was suffering, and his wife was encouraging him to curse God and be done with it, die. Yet he perseveres, he endures, he knows, quote, my Redeemer lives. Yeah. So God has given us the book of Job so that we can find comfort when we don't know why we're suffering. What a good God. What a loving God. We know that there's a spiritual warfare going on in the world and that we live for his purposes and causes. And and that if, as we endure and persevere, that all will be restored to us through faith in Christ. We know that Isaiah 53, that he was the lamb led to slaughter, that he's given his life for us. And so contrary, and I get it, I think, John, you're, I think you capture well the, the sentiment that we feel. We look at other people's lives and and we feel like, gosh, this isn't fair because I don't have what they have. It's not equal. It's not equal. And we look at, at the judgments of against Moses and Adam and Eve, and we've got to remember that they the benefits, the privileges they had mm-hmm. when they bore the judgments that they bore. All right. Hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next one. Can you give any more suggestions for guarding our heart? I thought that insight was helpful and would like for some uh, more examples of how to get this done. Yeah, obedience isn't easy. Uh, it's not as easy as simply making decision. And so I, ob- obedience requires swimming against the current of popular culture. If we're going to be obedient people, there is a current that's encouraging disobedience in popular culture. But we also have to navigate our internal struggles. So there's this external reality, the culture in which we live is discouraging obedience, but there's also internal struggles of frustration and anger. And I noted, I felt like Moses, there was good reason textually to, to see that Moses was quite possibly struggling in these ways, feeling frustrated, feeling angry, and feeling proud. And, so, and I see that in my own life. If I get angry, it doesn't serve me well. Um, which anger is not a sin. I just need to handle it right. If I, if I don't handle it right. Um, and so one of the, um, some of the things I've done, and hopefully you guys have some suggestions as well, but I read the Psalms daily, the, and I haven't always done that. This is new for me in the last five-ish years, maybe a decade. Uh, I, learning to read the Psalms, I wasn't one of those I, that valued poetry, and there's a lot of poetry in the Bible, and for the longest time as an adult, I didn't know what to do with it or how to relate to it, but as an adult in middle age, a man trying to figure out what to do with uh, emotions that aren't serving me well, reading the Psalms has helped me, helped me identify emotions that are not serving me well in seeing that other folks had these emotions and took them to God. It's very uh, normalizing, normative. It's helpful to, to read um, the frustrations and the anger and the fears uh, and the shame that is um, talked about in the Psalms. It makes me feel less alone. And then uh, journaling helps, helps bring clarity. And then fellowship, being having a place where I can talk about what I'm feeling. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the last one. Can you talk a little bit, um, <clears throat> excuse me, can you talk a little bit about what exactly happened when Moses laid his hands on Joshua? Is this ceremonial or spiritual or mystical or what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably all those. I think there was a literal time and place. Numbers 27 tells us that, Deuteronomy 34, where Moses in the, in the public eye, in the company of the assembly, Israel gathered around, and the leaders, the elders of Israel gathered around, where there was a transference of power, meaning a ceremony took place. It, but it wasn't simply ceremonial. Yes, it had ceremonial aspects, where Moses was passing his mantle of leadership to Joshua because Moses knew he wasn't going into the promised land and they needed somebody to do that. Um, but I think it was actually more than that as well. 
I, I think there was a real Holy Spirit moment in which Joshua was empowered to lead. In fact, we know that Joshua was full of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So what I would really like to challenge the people of Glowing Bible to is to see in the text over and over and over and over again, God is involving us. He's working through us to accomplish his purposes. Moses had a role to play in Joshua's life. We each have a role to play in one another's lives. And so I'll just give you some other examples. Um, and, And that role is a physical blessing. It's a praying for one another. Jesus the most common practice when Jesus was healing people was he would physically touch them. He would lay his hands on them and communicate the power of God. Uh, Peter and John, Acts chapter 8, lay their hands on some non-believers, and those non-believers receive the Holy Spirit. God physically involved Peter and John in the transference of the Holy Spirit to those coming to faith in Christ. The same thing happens uh, in Paul's ministry, Acts chapter 19, he lays his hands on some folks and they receive the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again, God wants to use us. He wants to use us in our kids' lives. How many of us are laying hands on our kids and praying for their power, their blessing, right? In 1 Timothy chapter four, Paul is reminding Timothy to stir up or utilize the pastoral ministry gifts he's received. And he says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, until I come to you, Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and teaching. And then listen to what he says, don't neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy, that's a verbal proclamation, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So picture the moment. Timothy's being commissioned to be the pastor of the church in Ephesus perceivably, here. And so elders have gathered around him. Paul's in the group, perhaps. They're laying their hands on him. They're praying for him. They're speaking words of proclamation, prophecy over him. And they're calling him. And they're, they're potentially, uh, and they're communicating gifts. There's some gift he received in this moment that he's to exercise in pastoral ministry. So my biggest urgency for the people of God at 501 Hillside that gather here weekly is that we would see God's using us to stir each other up, to work in each other's lives, to bless each other and help one another bear fruit. Yes. (laughs) Yay, verily. Amen. All right, that was a long one. That's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next level podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to The Next Level. Boom! Prophecy.